I've kidded you before, and we call those people CEOs, Christmas and Easter-only people, okay? And um, I want to inv- invite you to be an inviter, okay? Last night, I was walking through Walmart, and um, I had to go over there, I forget, buy dog food or something like that, and I was, I was looking, and, and, and this, this couple caught my eye. One of them was because there was, there was this guy that looked like a bodybuilder. I mean, he was a huge, massive guy, and he was talking to this other couple who were just listening to him like he was... He was speaking words uh, that were, they were just soaking it all in. And I normally don't eavesdrop. I'm not very good at that. I normally just move right along. But it kind of captured me. He was such a physical specimen. I just, I kind of sat there and listened. You know what he was doing? He was inviting them to church, to his church. I don't have a clue what church. I just sat there for a minute. He didn't know who I was. I was looking at dog food, you know. And he just sat there and told him. He said, you know, we, we start church at this time. We kind of get out by this time. And, and you're going to end up laughing, you know. And you're going to end up, it's going to be really good and this and that. And, and I thought, man, this guy is making an incredibly compelling case to invite some folks to church who probably don't have a church home. And I was just... I walked away, and I was kind of going, go God, go God, you know. I was so proud of that guy as he was sharing his faith and inviting somebody to church. I just want to invite, invite you to think about who you might, be, you, you might have a chance to invite. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a next-door neighbor that you know is not plugged into church. You know, Christmas is a magical time. It's an awesome time where hearts might be a little bit more open to allowing God to speak a good word in them. So think about who you might invite and invite somebody to start next week. We're going to have some dramas here. Uh, it's going to be a really cool season. So December the 6th starts our Christmas season. Let's read from Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 12 and 13, two very short verses. Paul wrote these words, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now that last verse there, Philippians 4 verse 13, has become a very famous scripture. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Strength. You probably heard that several different ways. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, a lot of pro athletes, uh, and, and I guess even college athletes, that has become a verse for them. And I, I've heard so many stories. My son is a football kicker, and one of the guys who, is, who mentors him uh, kicked for Notre Dame. And so he put uh, Philippians 4.13 tattooed it over his heart right here, you know. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Another young man I was talking to that uh, goes to high school with one of my sons, he plays baseball. And over, right on the, under, the, under the brim of his cap, on his baseball cap, he wrote those words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So that every time he went up to the plate to go bat, he would peek up at that little brim on the front of his baseball uh, hat, uh, cap, and he would read those words, I can do, as he walked up to the plate. Now, you know what? I'm not a professional athlete. Most of you guys aren't. I think I'm a professional eater after this week, but I'm not a professional athlete, okay? I want to talk to you about that scripture, verse 13, but I want to do it in light of the verse before. Because I think if you get the power that is in verse 12, then you can really start to understand verse 13. Now, verse 13 is famous, you know. It gets all the press time. But I think folks have really missed verse 12. Read it with me one more time. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty 
or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, what does it look like to be able to give God thanks and knowing the secret of being content in the good times and the bad times? That's what I want to talk with you about today, and I want to encourage you towards it. If you have your pen, why don't you fill in this first one? I'm going to actually take that verse 12 kind of backwards. So the first question I want to ask you is, do you know what you want? Paul said in that, in that latter part of verse 12, he said, whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or I'm in want, do you know what you want? And is it okay that you have wants? I want you to think about that for a minute. And I want to speak to, if I can, your wants. Now, here's the deal. The people who are in charge of all the marketing they know that we have wants. Have you noticed this past weekend Black Friday sales going on, right? I mean, my inbox for about two weeks has been flooded with advertisements from, all, from, from internet companies to you know, brick-and-mortar buildings saying, come and shop with us. Now, Black Friday is a big thing. And why is it a big thing? Because a lot of people getting ready for Christmas have a lot of wants, right? And by the way, it's not just Black Friday, is it? Cyber... Monday, right? And we got Cyber Monday coming up because we got a lot of wants. They know in this season people are thinking about their wants. And, I mean, it's the holidays, right? Now, I, what I pull away from Paul here right away is that Paul, Paul says, I'm, I have wants, and it's okay to have wants. By the way, the book of Philippians, he wrote from a jail cell. He was in prison when he wrote this book. So don't you imagine the guy probably had some wants? Don't you imagine it probably wasn't the most comfortable moment of his life? When he said, I know, what I, I know what it is to be well-fed and have plenty, and I also know what it is to be in want. Now, so here's, here's the question I have for you. Do you know what your wants are? And what is your greatest desire this season? I want you to think about that for a minute. This holiday season that's coming up, and even the, the season that we're just moving through this past week, a season of Thanksgiving, do you know what you would name as your greatest desire? Now, Paul found a way to find gratitude even in the land of his deepest wants. Do you know what your greatest desire and your greatest want is? Now, if your greatest want is like a flat screen TV that's a little bit flatter than the one you already have, you know, and your big TV, you want one a little bit bigger, then that might seem a little trivial to you, okay? Or if your want, your greatest want is, have you seen these hoverboards? They're pretty cool, right? I mean, if that's your greatest want, it might seem a little trivial to you. But what if, when you said, when I ask you the question, what is your greatest desire, what is your greatest want this Christmas season, what if you were able to name something that money couldn't buy? What if it was a relationship that would finally be restored, that had been broken? Or, or what if it was something like health, and your health had been suffering, and you'd been sick, and your greatest desire was to get well and be healthy this season? What if you had a, a job issue going on, and you just couldn't fix it? What if that was your greatest desire? Might it be that God would want to meet you in your land of wants, especially the wants that you can't fix? You know, as a pastor, I get to walk with people through a lot of moments of their deepest wants. And I was thinking in preparation for speaking with you today about some moments I've had recently with some folks that have been in a deep place of wants and desires, and money couldn't buy what they were after. 
had a young couple in our church who had lost a baby and who were praying for another baby, who were longing to have more children. That's a deep place of wants, isn't it? And they came to me, and they let me walk with them in that place. This past week, they came to me just so excited, saying, we're pregnant again. (laughs) We're pregnant again. Pray with us for help. What would it look like for God to walk with that couple in the place all the way through of their deepest wants? Recently, I was sitting with a guy at at a restaurant, young guy, and she had given back the ring. And man, the heart had been broken, you know? And he had a deep desire for God to either come back and make that relationship work or show me real quickly who the person is, God, you have for me to be with. You know, that's a deep place of want. That's a deep place of hurt sometimes and of brokenness when you're at that place. Not long ago, I was talking with a a young lady, and she had been uh, in multiple jobs, and she was in the place of looking again, and she just couldn't find the place. You know, not just the place to have a job but the place to have a career, the place to really build a long-term relationship there in that workplace. And there was a deep desire of want there that money can't fix. Now, here's the truth of the gospel. God wants to walk with us in the land of our deepest wants. He wants to be with us in that place because he made us to be human. He knows what it is for us to have deep wants and desires in our lives. But in many times, he's, he's wanting us to trust him in that place of our deepest wants. You know, this week, I'm going to, uh, every, every point I share with you, I'm going to go back to a psalm. But I was reading a psalm this past week, and that psalm comes from Psalm 55, 22. Listen to these words. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will hold you up. Cast your cares in the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Go back to Paul for a minute. Paul is sitting in a jail cell, and he is writing about his own wants, right? But he says, I know what it is to be content in the place where I've I've been well-fed and I've had plenty, and also in the place of my deepest wants when I've been really hurting. And I, I I I, I think about Paul, and I think, man, Paul knew some deep places of want. I mean, he even had a physical ailment. We don't even know what it was. But it was almost as if Paul was saying, you know what? God keeps me at that place of dependence because he wants me to trust him in that place. You know what I found for me and what I found with the people that I counsel is that we, um, when we really realize that there is a God who will walk with us in our place of wants, that will be with us in our deepest place of needs, that will carry us sometimes when we don't have strength to go, that will love us sometimes when we just feel like we don't deserve to be loved, that will heal us in the places that nobody else can bring healing, then that's when we really get to connect in with Emmanuel, God with us, right? The God who really loves us and cares for us. I open this day by reading that we are the sheep of his pasture. He longs to care for us. So if you're in a place of deep want this morning, here's the good news of the gospel. Look back over your life. Has God taken care of you thus far? Look back over your life for a minute. You've had wants way back there, didn't you? Did God meet you in those places of wants? Did he hold you and love you and care for you and heal you in those places? And do you think he'll do that today? And might I add this? There are some moments, guys, where you might not be in your place of deepest want and desire, Maybe all is well in your world, 
Do you realize God calls us to come alongside somebody else who's in a place of deep want, in a place of, of need in their lives, and to come alongside them? Sometimes God just takes people and couples them with other people, and that's the way he meets us in the land of our deepest wants. Imagine what it would look like this Christmas season for God to send you to somebody who has a deep want and a deep desire in their heart, and they need the love of Jesus to come and meet him in that place. So do you know what you want? I think God wants us to learn what it means to be grateful even in the land of our deepest wants. Now, if you got your pen, fill in point number two there real quickly. So the, the second question I want to ask you is, do you know the secret of being content? Do you know the secret of being content? I spoke a few minutes ago about a young man that I know who wrote, I can do all things through Christ on the, on the brim of his ball cap, right? And he told me that sometimes he would go up there and he would, he would knock a home run, he'd get a base hit, and it felt so good. And he thought about that scripture that he'd read right before he went to the plate. But he also told me there was moments he went up there and struck out, you know? And, and he walked back to the dugout, and he looked up at the brim of that cap and said, yes, I'll get another chance, God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, the truth of the matter is you and I both know what it's like to hit a home run, right, to have success, and we know what it's like to strike out and to fail. Everybody in this room knows those moments of succeeding and failing. But here's the question. Do you know how to give gratitude in both those circumstances, in moments of great success and in moments of great failure? Do you know that? When I finished college, uh, I went into my first ministry at a large church here in Atlanta. And um, I remember thinking to myself, man, this is going to be nice because I've got my own building. I had my own building. I didn't just have, you know, a room. I had my own building. I was going in as a student ministries pastor, right? Now, that's pretty cool. Go in and have your whole own building. And it's a big church, right? So naturally, big churches have a lot of money, right? And I thought, man, I'm going to have my own building. I'm going to have all the money I need to work with, do what I want to do. And I had a group of adults who were already helping lead the ministry. I thought, this, can't, this cannot not go perfectly. And then I started the job. And you know what I learned? I learned that even in big churches, they run out of money, okay? And for three years, I was on a spending freeze. I couldn't spend any money in my ministry. And I just remember thinking, oh, my goodness. And it seemed like that I had, it seemed like it was a roller coaster. It seems like things would go really well sometimes based upon, you know, whether I had enough people helping me do ministry. And then there were other moments where it just seemed like I didn't have, the people quotient got low. And, and it seemed like sometimes there was great vision and I was, I was around people who were sharing vision. It seemed like other times vision quotient went low. It seemed like there were great moments of energy where everybody was excited about the ministry and there were these wonderful seasons. And then also, there was also seasons where it just seemed like things weren't going well. And I got discouraged I got discouraged, and I didn't know why. I knew it was because that it seemed like it was the camel hump thing, right? It was up and down, up and down. The people were up and down. The, the money was up and down. The energy was up and down. The vision was up and down. I knew that, but I couldn't come to grips with it. The psalm I put in your scripture this morning really helped me. Read that with me. The, the Bible says uh, from the book of Psalms, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. A, a certain 
Christian artist came out with a song at that time, and I was a big fan of his, and he did a song, from, sang a song from right out of that verse, Psalm 20, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It may seem like a small thing, that little verse out of Psalm 20, but I would, I would go around and I would start singing this song. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I would go around singing that song to myself over and over. And then I realized that part of what I was struggling with was that I had put my trust in things that fluctuated, things that went up and down. Money goes up and down. Have you ever noticed that? Have you noticed that people and numbers of people sometimes go up and down? Energy can go up and down. Vision can go up and down. And all of a sudden, it was like God started pressing on my heart and saying, you know what? Are you trusting in human resources, financial resources? Are you trusting the things that fluctuate? Or are you really going to trust in me? If you have your pen right there in your outline, just uh, underline two words there. We trust. We trust. You know, if you call yourself a Christ follower, then that psalmist is writing for you, okay? There are some people out there who trust in chariots. And there's some people out there who trust in horses. That's not us. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know what doesn't fluctuate? The Lord our God. His name, his power, his character, his resources, he is our provider. That doesn't fluctuate. And all of a sudden, in that first ministry right out of college, it was as if God was pushing me as a young youth pastor to say, listen, you need to get this. It ain't about you. It ain't about the money. It ain't about the people. You know what it is? It's about you. Do you trust me? And all of a sudden, what changed in me? That focus. The focus changed. My trust wasn't any longer in things that fluctuated. I began to try to put my trust in the Lord. You give, you take away, do what you want to, God. You do what you will in the ministry. I will do what I can to honor you, and I will trust you for the gain, okay? Now, what am I saying here? Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. Did you hear that? What is the secret of being content? Paul was sitting in a prison cell when he wrote this, right? And he was saying, I have learned the secret of being content. What is the secret? The secret was that Paul wasn't putting his trust in things that shifted and focused, even his own freedom, right? Paul had another eyesight. Paul had a different focus. He put his trust and his focus on heaven, which doesn't change, right? He put his trust and his focus on heaven, and what changed was his perspective. So Paul was saying, I will trust in the name of of the Lord my God. He drew strength from that. He drew perspective from that. And so I wonder about you. Are you like, like me where I was? I mean, I can still be there today. Sometimes it's very easy to trust, start trusting in things that are human and things that fluctuate. Or do you really, have you learned the secret of being content in the good and in the bad times? Have you learned that secret? by saying, you know what? I trust in the name of of the Lord our God. You see this glass here real quickly? Real quickly, just something I've learned. I'm going to call this the blessings of God, okay? Do you know I've learned something? God blesses some people abundantly. 
is that glass full or half full? It's not, it's not a trick question. Is the glass full or half full? It is full. And, you know, I've learned that God blesses some people abundantly. And you know what else I've learned? God blesses some people just enough. You and I live in a world that really asks the wrong question. When we, when we look at that little metaphor, you know the world we live in asks the same question over and over again. Is the glass half empty or half full? Really the question is, isn't it awesome to have a glass? It's really not about the stuff in it, is it? Into every life, God will pour blessings. Some of them, <laughs> I don't know why he does it the way he does it. Some of those blessings for many people are just abundant. He, he blessed you abundantly. Okay, you got a lot to give thanks for. And others, he blesses just enough. And you have a lot to give thanks for too, right? The key is not about what's in it but about us and what God's given us and having a life where he would pour blessings into us. You know what Paul was saying? He said, I learned the secret of, of having a little bit, and I learned the secret of having a lot. He doesn't put his focus on the stuff. He puts his focus on the God who's given him life, who sustains him, right? Guys, I pray for you and me. I think part of the litmus test of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ and to be growing up in Christ is you don't put your trust in things that fluctuate. You really learn this thing that Paul's talking about here. I have learned the secret of being content. You put your trust in him. You put your whole trust in him. You got your pen? Number three. So what we talked about? We talked about the land of wants. We talked about the secrets of being content. How about the needs? Write that one down. Do you know what it means to be in need? Do you really know what it means to be in need? And by the way, I think there's some people right here today, some of us here, who you have, you have serious needs. I don't mean wants, okay? I'm not talking about wants versus needs. I mean serious needs. But today I'm going to tell you a different story. I want to tell you about a guy who had a huge need in his life, and I want to tell you how God met that need. But I want you to watch, and I want you to think, about what it would have felt like to be him. Now, there's a young man named Wes um, who was born in 1991, born in Cedartown, Georgia. You know where Cedartown, Georgia is? Going up there towards, you know, Rome area, up 75. He was born in Cedartown, kind of across from Cartersville. He was born in Cedartown, Georgia. And this is a picture of Wes. He graduated high school um, in, in uh, what was that, 2009. Wes is the second one from the right here, Wes Easterwood. And... Um, Wes was born in 91, graduated uh, over there in, in Cedartown High School in, uh, in 2009. And at the moment, this looks like a happy moment, doesn't it? At the moment, Wes didn't even really realize he had a huge need in his life. But when Wes was a little, little boy, a very young child, he got influenza B. And it took a big toll on his body. And his kidneys were severely harmed through the influenza B that he got. Two years after this picture right here, graduating high school, Will's uh, kidneys began to fail. 
uh, this next picture is Will in the hospital getting a port so that they could begin dialysis. Both of Will's kidneys were failing, and he didn't have anybody. All of his family went to the hospital, uh, went to the doctors, and tried to test their kidneys to see if they could be a kidney donor, and not one member of his own family was found to be a qualified donor. Now, here's what you need to know about Will. Will was dying. He was in desperate need of life. He needed a kidney. And it didn't look like it be, could be found. They, they began to put it in papers that he was in need. Here goes a guy who's only 21 years of age or something, and he is dying. Now, here's something you need to know about true need. True need, there's a place when you have a need in your life where you realize two things. You realize, number one, you are not in control. There are moments where when you have a true need where you can't even meet your own need, okay? Money can't meet your need. You don't know how to meet your need. When you're truly in need, you, you, there's a place of surrender where you just give it up to God and you say, God, I don't know, I, I can't meet it. That's, by the way, where Will was. Will had a true need and he gave up control. And then the next thing, another thing you need to know about true needs is you surrender the outcome to God. You say, for Will, that was, God, I want to live, but if I don't find a kidney, then, then it must be in your plan, something else for me. You, you surrender the outcome to God when there's a true need. I got a phone call from a young lady who was in the first church that I ever pastored. Her name is Carla. This right here is a picture of Carla when I did her wedding. Gosh, I don't want to get emotional. But... um. I did Carla's wedding and um, was there for her family for a lot of moments as her pastor. I baptized her two boys. This next picture, I baptized them when they were very small, you know, younger kids. But this is Carla's two boys sitting next to her now, big old strapping guys, you know. Uh, Carla called me on the phone and she said, she calls me her pastor. I'm still her pastor even though that was decades ago. She said, Pastor Stephen... I read an article in the newspaper, and there's a young man who needed a kidney. And so I went to the doctor, and they found out that I could be a kidney donor for him. I was a match. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. She read something. She went to the doctor to see if she could be a match for a total stranger she did not know. And she said, I've, de- I've decided to give my kidney to him so that he can live. And she said, but I want you to be at the hospital with me when I do it. Would you come be my pastor there, be with with Will and I all day long? You know, so this is several years ago now. Uh, About four years ago, I went went to the hospital. I stayed with Will. Uh, I, I stayed there with Carla all day long. And Carla, you know, gave a kidney away. It was a successful transplant. Just a couple of years ago, this next picture is Will living a fully healthy life now. Works a full-time job, got married, having plans to have a full family and kids. I mean, it's a pretty awesome story. But I got to tell you, there are moments in my life where I come across people like this, and I think to myself, man, have I ever really even known need the way some people have really known need? You know what I mean? I share that story with you because I think sometimes in our greatest moments of need, God has somebody He wants to send our way because God's still very interested in loving on us. But here's the question that I have for you. Is there a need in your world today? 
Is there a need that you have that you would say, you know what? I need God. I can't fix this thing. I'm giving control over to God with the whole thing. I'm surrendering the outcome to God. I don't know what to do. I have a need in my world. You know, I think for Paul, one of the secrets he learned about contentment was that his needs kept him dependent on God and trusting in God's power because he had wants and he had deep needs. But he kept his trust in God, like we were talking about on that last point. So if I were to ask you today, what is it that is your deepest need, a true need in your life? What is it, what need would you have that you would need God to come along and carry alongside of you? Can I just tell you there's some folks in our church that I know their need. They have a disease that is after them, that wants to take their life. And it is a serious, serious need. And so it's not very hard for them to say, oh man, here's, here's the thing that I have a need. This is my need. <laughs> I need God to come carry this with me. But somebody else would have a need that almost nobody else might know about. It would be a need for a relationship or that longing for companionship, or it would be somebody else They would say, I need a job. I need a, I need a career. I don't need a job. I need a career. That's my need. I want to provide for my family. I, wanna, I, want, I, want, I need God to do this for me. And you know, every one of those folks, I would ask this same question. If you could name your deepest need, here's, here's the most important question of all. Would you be willing to surrender that need to God today? You know, that young man, Will, the reason I told you his story was, Will had to get to a place of surrendering and saying, God, I don't know whether I'm going to live or I die. I'm just, I know that I'm in great need. He surrendered the outcome to God. He, he, he said, I don't have control over this. And he just surrendered it to God. And he let God watch what would happen. He had no idea that a young lady named Carla would step into the picture. He was a total stranger. And come to his aid and deliver him. You know what Carla is? Carla is a living, breathing testimony of the love of God in Will's life. She's a living, breathing good news message for Will at his deepest moment of need. And I just learned this about, about my life. Whenever I have a deep need, God wants me to surrender. To get to that place of saying, you know, I don't have control over this. And it's okay, whatever the outcome is, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you and trust that you will carry this with me in my deepest need. Read this scripture with me. Psalm chapter 121. It's the whole chapter. So short, I thought I'd put the whole thing in there for you. Psalm 121. The psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see the, the kind of understanding this guy had about who his God was, the one who was all providing, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you. I underline, I underline that in my version. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. 
the Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. You know, that's the, that's the promise of the Scripture for those who call themselves Christ followers. That we have the one who is the maker of the heaven and the earth. He is the one who is our helper. I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? Not from me. My help comes from the Lord. You know, I don't know if you know your wants, but I would encourage you today, if you have wants, to let God walk with you in the land of your wants. I don't know if you know the secret of being content in both the good times and the bad times, but let me just give you a little word real quickly. Chariots rust. They will fail. Horses grow tired and they die. We don't trust in those things. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. And if you have a deep need, guess what? You're here today to be reminded that there are just some moments in life where we don't have control. We have to give over that control to God and surrender to God and say, God, I trust you. You're the maker of heaven and earth. I know where my help comes from. My help comes from you. You, will, you watch over my life day and night, sun and moon, wherever I'm going. God, you're there with me. You watch over my life. I'm going to pray a prayer over us this morning. It's just a prayer of thanksgiving. And I'm going to invite you to make that your prayer as well. But before I do that, let me just remind you of something I think is very important. You know that last psalm that I just read? Psalm 121? That psalm was read for people who are the followers of God. It's a promise. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, he says, this is, this is I will watch over your life. I will not slumber. I will not sleep. I'm the maker of heaven and earth. I, you have my aid. You have my help. But if you've never, if you've never given your life to Christ, that's, that's only a promise for others. It's not a promise for you. Oh, I would encourage you. If you've been at a place of struggling and you've never found a place of surrender, why not do it this few days right after Thanksgiving, 2015, to say, God, I've been fighting you. You've been knocking on my door. I've been struggling. I've been trying to do it all on my own. Today, I hear you whispering over my heart that the path to true life is surrender. I want to surrender today, God. I want to surrender, and I want the maker of heaven and earth to be the one who is my helper. If that's where you're at today, it's very simple. Children do it. You don't have to be a grown adult. Children do it. You just surrender. You just surrender your life to Jesus, and you watch how he comes in and gives purpose and life, and you receive every promise written in that book. You can do that today. Hey, would you bow your heads with me real quickly? Let me pray first of all to you, if that's you that I just got through talking about there. You, you've been struggling. You've been battling God. You've been kicking the tires on this thing called Christianity, but you haven't really given it over. Today, what would it look like for you just to surrender your heart to God and say, God, I, I'm a, I haven't done everything right. I will mess up tomorrow on you, but I know that you love me. I receive your love today. Oh, God, wash away my sin. I surrender best I know how. I raise up my hands. I raise up my hands and I surrender to you. You can have my life. You can redeem my life. You can wash away all the darkness that has been in me. Lord, today I give you my life, all that I am. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus, I thank you for rushing in like a flood for any heart today who surrendered to you. 
And Lord, really what I've been preaching about here today is really all about surrender. Whether it's our wants or whether it's our needs, whether it's our perspective on, the, on, on, on how much you've blessed us. God, today, we want to trust you. We want to truly trust you. Lord, because out of that trust comes gratitude. So Lord, today for the person who has deep wants in their life and who are wondering if you're ever going to come along and fulfill their wants, be with them. Remind them today that you're sitting right there with them. You know everything on their mind. You know all about their life. And not only that, God, you know the good future you planned for them. Lord, today, I pray in the name of Jesus they're able to trust you in that land of wants. And Lord, for the person here today who is, or maybe even it's a whole family here today, who's in a deep place of need, they have deep need, God. Help them surrender that control. Help them to surrender the outcome today. And Lord, I pray that they would leave this place today with their chin held high and their eyes looking to the sky, reminding themselves our help comes from the Lord, our God. Lord, I pray that you would minister to them the way that you do through either your word or through other people who would come to their aid or through your presence over their life. Minister to them, Lord, in their great place of need. Lord, I pray that for this year and the year that is to come, 2016, we don't even know what all that's going to hold for us, God, but that you would help us to be like Paul. Help us to know what it is to be content. Know the secret of that contentedness and to know what it is to to be able to be grateful in the moments where you just have a little bit and we have enough or you bless us abundantly and we have so much to say and be thankful for. Lord, I know that the power of verse 13, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, comes from that heart of trust, that heart of surrender. May it be so with us. May it be with us, Jesus. I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen, church. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. If you're going to hang out and decorate with us, remember, a few minutes from now, let's gather right back here, and we're going to have a great time of putting on Christmas music and decorating the church. God bless you. Have a great week. Invite somebody to our Christmas series starting next week.